Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Those are verses 105 to 112 of Psalm 119, verses 97 to 120, which are the psalm appointed for today, Wednesday, February the 9th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are continuing our look at the Messianic prophecies of Isaiah in chapter 59, verses 15 to 21. We're uh, also continuing our study in the book of Second Timothy, the epistle to Timothy, second epistle to Timothy written by Paul, chapter 1, verse 15 through chapter 2, verse 13. And then finally in the gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, the first 16 verses. The uh, Lord in the Isaiah passage is, is stating his case. Uh, in the beginning of this, but but then it, it states what he will do and the coming of the Lord, the messianic coming of the Lord. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. In other words, if you if you depart from evil, then you have um, put yourself at odds with most everyone else, and so they don't want you to do that, so you become their prey if you depart from that path. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice He saw that there was no man and wondered why there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. So he is stepping out. He will come to to save his people because there's nobody to intercede for the people because everybody has gone astray is is the way it would read. He put on on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. You can hear this with Jesus, right? The the righteousness is his breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head, garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. You can see in all those descriptions in some shape, form, or fashion, you can see Jesus um, in that description. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun, the east. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. So he's he's announcing that, that he will come and, and judge and also save. So both those things will be true at the same time. And so when we think that Jesus didn't judge, he most certainly did. He judged the Pharisees and the scribes and the others as hypocrites over and over in the Gospel of Matthew, for instance. But he he judged all of us. He judged everyone he came into contact with in some shape, form, or fashion. Now, <clears throat> but he reversed the judgment that had been on on so many people. It, it depended on, did they turn from transgression? I mean, think about Nicodemus, for instance, and, or not, not, not Nicodemus, sorry, Zacchaeus. 
for instance, and think about Zacchaeus' promise to Jesus when he comes at his house. And, and what does he do? He says, you know, I'll repay anything that I may have stolen, and I, and I will make restitution to anybody who I may have taken more than I should have from. And, it, and it's the point of, yes, he brought salvation to the house that day, but salvation was contingent upon Zacchaeus confessing his sins, same as the woman who um, is washing Jesus' feet with her hair. There's a confession of sin involved in all these things. It's important that we not take those two things as separate. And and when it says, according to his deeds, so will he repay, is that a works-based thing? No, but, it, but, but our deeds reveal what we believe, right? I mean, our deeds certainly reveal what we believe to be truth. And it reveals, it can reveal faith or no faith. If we're constantly laying hands on something that we've given to the Lord because we don't trust him to get it done, then that's not on him, it's on us. It's a that's a deed that would be judged is, is that I can judge you don't trust the Lord you believe that it's ultimately up to you, and so John came to turn us to turn people from their transgressions and then that's the work of the Holy Spirit the continuing work of the Holy Spirit now is to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment, and then as for me. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that's upon you and my words that I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, it will be passed down through the generations. And it's important that we continue to proclaim the gospel. It's important that we know the gospel and understand the gospel clearly. And then we are those who should be proclaiming it. We should proclaim it everywhere we go. We should, it should be on our lips always in the same way that the Lord wanted that to be the case in the land with the people. That, that it's the, the thing that it, Judaism will say that it was, it's a worthless thing if two Jews get together and don't discuss the Torah, for instance. And so it should be the same way with Christians too. But how much of our time do we spend in other topics and talking about politics or COVID or whatever it is? But it, it's a problem when Christians come together and we're not rejoicing together, challenging each other, teaching each other, sharing with each other the insights the Lord has given us. In the gospel today, <clears throat> he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. So whenever people gathered, Jesus was always prepared to teach them something. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And where do they get that? Well, that comes from uh, Deuteronomy 24. And, and there, what it says is, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house and she departs from the house. And so that's the, the process that they're speaking of. That's the, what Moses commanded them concerning divorce is the answer to that question. That comes from Deuteronomy 24, 1 and 2. Well, it's actually the first about four verses there it talks about it because there's, there, there's an elaboration on, on a specific case in there. Um, but the reality is, is that, that it could anything can be an indecency depending on how you translate the word and so it, it the indecency could be something like she burned dinner 
literally. I mean, that, that would have been, that would have worked because she failed to do something correctly. Now, it, it's only a one-way street, too. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's, it's only the man who can write the certificate of divorce, which is today called a get, G-E-T, in, um, in Judaism. And it, it has to be written by a scribe. It has to be attested by both parties. And then the whole matter of whether or not there should be a divorce goes to a tribunal of um, Jewish leaders, typically rabbis. And then that the the synagogue doesn't recognize a, a civil divorce. It, it requires, at least in Orthodox Judaism, it requires this process to be followed in order for that divorce to be recognized, a dissolution of the marriage to be recognized in the synagogue itself. And <clears throat> so Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. You know, it, it's an accommodation to sinfulness is what he's saying. Um, he's not saying this is a this is a Moses thing, not a God thing. He said, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so, the, and so what he's saying is, is that that God's intention was never for this to happen. It's an accommodation after sin comes into the world. Then there's an accommodation for this divorce thing to dissolve the the marriage but but ultimately what it's what he's saying is exactly what we would say at the end of a marriage ceremony and that is is that what if god has joined together let no man separate so there's a there's a mystical unity created by god himself between a husband and a wife when they make the decision to marry one another and, and what he's saying is is that you know you should not um enter into that divorce proceeding lightly because this is something God has done. And so to step in and dissolve what God's done, it puts you in some, uh, in not a particularly good place vis-a-vis -vis God. He's in the house, so where they were staying, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So Jesus is, 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 has a powerful word here about this whole idea of divorce. And, and what he's saying is, is very clear, that there is adultery involved if you do that. If you put away your wife, then the Lord considers it to be adultery for you to marry someone else. And then they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and his disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. The, the, the disciples thought that, the, that these people bringing these children were nothing more than a nuisance. And so they, they wanted to prohibit them from doing this thing. Look, Jesus has enough to say to the adults, and he's got gracious plenty to do here. There's all these people around. Stop bringing these kids over here, you know. And, and there's a lot of uh, places where that's true, you know, better seen, uh, better heard, seen and not heard. Um, it, it, it put them away to the side somewhere. But Jesus says, no, actually, this is the way we're to come into the kingdom is with that uh, innocence and uh, full acceptance of truth that a child would have. In the epistle lesson, <laughs> um, Paul writes to his disciple Timothy and says, you're aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. 
among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So Onesiphorus would have been one of the Ephesian Christians um, who, to whom Timothy would be ministering. And what Paul is saying here is, is that when, when I got arrested, all these people abandoned me. They walked away from me completely, and, it, and that would have opened a door then for the Judaizers to come in and begin to, to teach their message of a false gospel. And it's an important thing that, that we be faithful and loyal friends. Um, Paul, ha, I've got a friend who, who had a problem when he was in college. He, he created his own problem. He's not, not a guy who's going to say, no, that, that, that was just, I was a victim in any of this. But, but what happened was he got into some legal trouble and ended up in prison for a short period of time. Um, and it was because he was selling steroids to a... Um, to his, his college's football team because he liked being around the team. And after he went, he got arrested and got into trouble, they all disavowed any knowledge of him. Wouldn't have anything to do with him at all. And he said, you know, that that's when I really became a Christian was because that the only person who would uh, align himself with me and visit me when I was in prison was Jesus himself. There was nobody else who would come and do that. And so it's, it's Paul is upset, and rightly so, at the way people abandoned him. And it was he really was abandoned for preaching the gospel of Christ crucified and nothing else as a means to salvation. He goes on to say, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And, may, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, so make sure, in the way that, that Isaiah's prophecy was, is make sure that you're, you're passing along what you've received in order that it might outlive you and might be passed down through the generations. It's important that, that we always be teaching, that we always be trying to raise up others who, will, who can teach and who can understand and, and speak. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And that, I think, is, is certainly an important thing to write to, um, to people who, who teach and preach. Because it, it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the things of the world and to lose our perspective and to, to focus on those things and allow them to drag us into places that we'd rather not be, ultimately. And so we need to stay away from those things, and if, we, if we're going to devote ourselves to the study and the teaching of the Word of God, then we need to continue and persevere in that and focus all our attention on it. In the um, 1928 Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican world, the, the um, ordination service for a priest asked that they lay aside the study of all else other than Scripture and things pertaining thereto. So it, it, that's no longer the case in the 1979 ordination service that that's taken out completely. There's no indication that you should be devoting yourself to the uh, the Word of God and the Apostles' teaching. It's important that we restore that in in the uh, the ordination expectations because it's exactly what Paul's saying here. Is is don't get involved in all this other stuff. Keep your focus on the Word of the Lord. 
He said an athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You've got to know how to compete according to the rules. You need to know that. You can't color outside the lines and things. I can remember, I think it was a Boston Marathon, where, where the winner one year um, was somebody who came out of the crowd. They didn't run the entire race, and they were initially hailed as the, the winner of the race, and then ultimately it was discovered that they had not run the entire race. And so that's kind of what he's what Paul's getting at in that question and it does matter that we compete according to the rules that we that we not um, decide to color outside the lines <clears throat> remember jesus christ risen from the dead the offspring of david as preached in my gospel for which i'm suffering bound by chains as a criminal but the word of god is not bound in other words it doesn't matter where i am i'm still going to preach that gospel it doesn't matter if i'm preaching it in chains or if i'm i'm a free man because the, the Word of God has set me free, and it's set me free eternally, and I'll continue to preach and teach and say all the things that I say, no matter what they do to me. He said, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So, so Paul's saying, I, I do this for you in the same way that Jesus did it for the elect, that, that he suffered for the elect. And Paul says he makes up whatever's lacking in that. And, and what he doesn't mean, what he does not mean is, is that there's something that Jesus did that was incompletely done. And so when, what he says is, is that, that people can see in my suffering, they can see something that they can't see in simply reading about Jesus' suffering. And so he, he, he's saying that our suffering is a witness to the truth because we persevere in the truth no matter what the persecution that comes our way is. And we do it as a witness to the elect. <clears throat> he says, this saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Those are powerful words. It's, it's important that we embrace that little syllogism that, that's there. If we've died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, however, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He has remained faithful to his covenant with his people down the millennia since he made it at Sinai. And, and he has his characteristic is faithfulness. It is not our characteristic, but, it, but if we are felt found faithful it's because of his spirit living in us that makes us faithful because it is who he is and part of god's character therefore it should be our character as well